Downing, Downing tees it into the box and there's a host of people going for it. Kadra heads it down, Hasselbank edge of the area goes down, no free kick is given. Jimmy's still on the floor, it's, but here's Stewie Downing. Downing there, Downing running beyond the fullback. Whips a great looking ball in, header, goal! Welcome back everybody to Middlesbrough Podcast. I'm your host Hamilton. Today, fortunate enough um, to be in better spirits than I was yesterday and joined uh, joined by whoever's on the line. Uh, fortunately, it's just me, Ham. Oh, Greg. really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Brad's not available, is he? No, I believe he is spending time with family, which is understandable. Uh, important. Given our current circumstances. But you know what else is important? Talking about the freaking boys. And, yeah. you know, there's been several results since we last spoke. Um, two, three, three O's. Going, <laughs> yeah. going, going both ways. Yeah, nice uh, zero goal difference uh, termination yes. there. Yes, but before before we get to the Preston loss, the Millwall win, and of course our game against the Hatters, let's talk a little bit about the uh, potential, or maybe it is happening in totality, championship salary cap. Yeah, so I think they announced early this week that um, starting next season uh, for the championship, there'll be an eighty million pound salary cap for for the squad so this is a first for uh football in the uk i've never ever heard of any salary caps i think there's been caps on certain types of bonuses and taxes and things of that nature because that's you know enforced by the uh by the the government excuse me i think ultimately um this is a first this is very much like our uh, american uh professional teams here where there's a salary cap and that kind of allows the teams to be a little bit more competitive, shall we say. Um, not quite sure the championship needs to be more competitive. It's probably the most competitive league in the world. Um, I think it will you know, help to, to weed out some of those maybe bigger teams who've been spending big money on, on big-name players once they get relegated through parachute payments. Um, but, you know, I think... Oh, you it's, mean Asambalanga? Yeah, some belong. Yeah, Ch- Chancer living living off his salary, not living off his goals. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, you know, when I first was kind of looking into it and, and reading more about it, it was quite interesting um, because it does feel like the championship is is kind of an equal bout. Um, obviously, I think you know, as you mentioned, the parachute payments that trickle down. Um, give some clubs an easier path to success immediately following, but it also can lead clubs into some pretty uh, deep, dark, deep, dark holes. I think it's also interesting that the salary cap has been introduced now after the bailout plan was approved. Uh, so perhaps this <laughs> yeah, is in amazing. some way, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, linked <laughs> just to keep everybody in check and make sure, you know, which was one of the concerns, right? That clubs already in debt don't go into more. Um, which is, yeah, and I think one of the the issues with that was spending spending money on players as as transfers uh, for League One and League Two. But again, for Championship teams, I don't know if that was a stipulation. Definitely. But yeah, it's interest interesting that it it got it. I did actually not actually put those put two and two together there, but that's definitely an interesting point. 
Well, this expert analysis came to you literally on the spot and hit me as I was saying <laughs> it. So don't, don't think you're missing anything. One thing I thought was pretty interesting um, in, in kind of reading through some of the documents was there is, is so there is going to be penalties if you spend over the 18 million, uh, 18 million yep. pound wage bill, which if you're going to max out a player on a contract, it's going to be 720,000 uh, pounds on a 25-man roster. Now, for every pound you go above, you are charged three pounds to pay back, uh, which seems kind of like, I don't know, you're, you're telling people, well, don't get in a financial hole. But if you do get in a, if you if you overspend, which you shouldn't, we are now going to put you in a deeper financial hole. Um, and I'm not really sure, I, I, I understand there need to be penalties, but that to me is a little bit of a gray area. I think there's a, a better way to do it. and And, what was the what was the penalty for overspending and making it to the Premier League, Greg? Um, I'm not sure on overspending to make it to the Premier League, but I know that there was operating losses that you were allowed to take. Um, it was averaged over three years, and I don't think you're allowed to make more than twenty million pounds loss um, over like consistently over the three years. So. Seven hundred twenty thousand a year on a twenty-five man squad breaks down to be roughly about thirteen and a half, thirteen point eight thousand pounds a week. Which I would say the average wage for the championship is probably between that that five to that fifteen thousand. There's going to be some players who may be on a you know slightly more twenty twenty-five maybe, um, but I think that sounds like that's a very reasonable uh, you know feasible cap if it was maybe five thousand a week per player that's kind of league one league two wages there um so i think it's not going to change a whole lot um but we'll certainly see if there's some clubs that might be you know in a bit of a pickle but we have to see who comes down next season so i think right now in the premier league you know west brom maybe fulham burnley uh, Chef United, obviously. Um, Poor Blades. You know, Arsenal, you know, throw them in there right now. Arsenal, relegation yeah, can- yeah. Dark Horse relegation candidate. Thank you for exactly. keeping the AFTV uh, wheels turning, folks. Uh, yeah, no doubt. It's time um, to go. But it'll be... See- <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out, but I think it seems like a feasible total value of a squad that they can have. You know, 25 men... You know, you've got some younger guys in there. You've got some more experienced guys in there. It seems like it's very, very feasible. The thing that it doesn't take into account is probably the fact that, you know, say you, say you're Brentford or you know maybe a club who's you know, closer to London or you know maybe it's a club who's kind of so, up and coming there. So any number of clubs. Any number of clubs, not Middlesbrough. Um, you know, they could potentially say, look, you know, we'll offer you kind of a base salary. Um, and then depending on you know performance bonuses, you know does that does that you know eighteen million include performance bonuses? Okay, so you take performance bonuses out of it and say, okay, well you, you, your your weekly salary is a little bit less than than the average. Okay, so now what we're going to say is like if we get promoted, we know that there's you know a two hundred million uh, pound windfall when you get promoted. Um, right. You know, whatever it is, it's okay. So then we, we deduct a little bit out of that for you know improvements to the stadium or whatever it needs to happen. So we'll give you if we win promotion, we will give you an on the spot bonus of say a million uh, pounds. Okay, so 
you know, then those are ways that clubs are going to be able to start attracting, you know, different players, new players, better players than, say, maybe some of the other clubs. Because there's other clubs like, you know, like a Wickham or a Luton, you know, maybe it's a Huddersfield who've been there before who who might not be able to attract those sorts of players just because they're not in a, you know, in a nice part of the world or they're not ever going to get promoted. So there's different ways to get around this. So even though it's a good idea, I think, like you said, it's probably more a line of, you know, let's enforce the money that's been lent to the teams and let's make sure that they spend it in a way that's, you know, compatible with sustaining their longevity so they're not spending exorbitant amount of money on salaries, which is ultimately what basically costs the club, you know, the most amount of expenditure every year is salaries on players. Right. And and it also brings up an interesting point in future takeovers of clubs. You know, we, we've kind of seen an influx of very wealthy owners coming from a certain part of the world. Um, no doubt. Just trying to prop up clubs with their own personal wealth, you know, and at the Premier League level, it, it seems like that's something you can do and pretty much get away with it. But I think it's going to be more difficult, you know, as we, we spoke about um, Darby's potential takeover a couple episodes back. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't heard anything about that recently. But... No, I, I heard, um, I was listening to another podcast, and they said, you know, Wayne Rooney asks the folks every day, like, has it happened yet? Have the, <laughs> have the, have the investors finally been, Give me my been, money. Yeah, been granted? Um, it also seems a little interesting, Um that clubs are going to be encouraged to report one another if they suspect that they're going over and that there's going to be guaranteed uh, anonymity um, in that in that process, which, you know, you'll wonder, okay, well, how much... Whistleblowing. Whistleblowing right there. But then you wonder, I'm thinking about, like, Bielsa, Spygate, all that craziness, you know, like, yeah. how much of that is going to come to play, you know, with, with a club who is in, like, seventh and, you know, you got somebody in sixth and you're like, oh, well, you know... I think there there might be something fishy up there. Corporate espionage is almost what it seems like. But well, we we saw that, didn't we, with uh, with Steve Gibson kind of reporting Derby for you know Derby to offset their operating losses when Frank Lampard was manager during that uh, season. They got um, knocked out in the playoff final um, where they basically sold back the uh, stadium to one of Mel Morris's. Uh, you know, parent companies for you know three times more than the stadium was, was worth. Was worth. It, yeah, similar things happened at a Sheffield Wednesday, correct? Wednesday, yeah, yeah, that's what happened at Sheffield. Um, uh, essentially, they're now at the bottom of the championship with nine points, having you know having had twelve points deducted. So obviously, they're having a hard time. And well, um, twelve points deducted and six points added back on. Well, yes, they did get six points added back on. Yeah, I should say that. Wait, but... what? That doesn't make any sense. No, so I think they were deducted, and then I think they did a they did a review of the of the actual financial losses at the end of the year. And I think their losses were less than what was initially reported. So they must be, uh, or they uh, did uh, reconcile the difference between what their losses were versus what they claimed as losses. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Wigan had, had their, you know, their, Mm. their deduction was, was completely out of, out of left field with a foreign buyer and all that kind of dodgy betting scandals in different (laughs) countries. So, that's messed up. I mean, I think that's messed yeah, up. Yeah, hopefully that's going to stop. I mean, that's going to stop because I, if I was a Wigan fan, you know, I would be absolutely furious. But you know, that's the sort of issues that happen because you know you've got like a, a team like Wolves who, you know, they were bought by a Chinese firm, Chinese investment firm, and you know they've gone from strength to strength since they were they were bought out. Uh, unfortunately, Wigan, you know, they were bought out by a couple of different parties. They had 
previously Dave Whelan, who was the the chairman there, was a local businessman, but obviously was you know kind of getting on a little bit older. Uh, wasn't able to kind of spend as much time doing what he loved. Um, this is a this is a warning for Middlesbrough. You know, we've still got Steve Gibson, but you know who's going to say in the next you know twenty years? Uh, mm. Gibson's probably in his sixties now. He's probably not going to have the fervor to to want to run the club when he's in his in his in his eighties, you know. And um, hopefully, he's going to set aside a good a good plan to sell a club, and he's not going to leave it last minute. Um, you know, similarly, like we saw with Aston Villa over the years, where they had Doug Ellis, who was an old school chairman, and he sold it to Randy Lerner, who was the American guy, and then they had to resell it again to the the guy from uh, from Hong Kong, and then they had to resell it after that, and it, it's been up and down. So it's very very fraught with 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 risk. So, um, yeah, hopefully the the salary cap can help stop some of that risk and stop players, you know, taking the taking the club for a ride. But I, I doubt it's going to be easy going. I think the agents are the ones who are going to have a hard time, and it's going to put more emphasis on the recruitment teams to to look at the low leagues and find some players who, you know, the diamonds can, in the rough. Exactly, which everybody's looking for. Which you know. You know, we've seen that now with with Burr the last couple of seasons. We had some pretty rough diamonds, which now <laughs> seem to be getting po- polished by the right sort of gem gem master. So yes, um, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, hitting off of your taking folks for a ride comment, our whole team got taken for a ride against Preston North End. Let me tell you, yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a bad match. It was a bad match. 3-0, pretty stinging defeat. Um, 3-0. Just could not seem to to really generate a whole lot of um, attacking output, defensively conceding three. You know, notably, I, I believe that was our last match without Dykesdale um, in the lineup. It was. <laughs> it was. And since then, things have quickly been remedied. Um but it, I guess it just go, kind of goes to show you how, how frail a team structure can be. Now, causation is not correlation, and correlation is not causation. But in the matches that he wasn't there, we did not play as well. Yeah, true. And, I mean, I think we, you know, we came off. So if we go all the way back to the end of November, we beat Derby at home 3-0. Then we lost to Huddersfield away 3-2 then won the home game at Swansea, and then we lost two on the bounce. So we lost 1-0 at, Preston, uh, 1-0 at Stoke and 3-0 at Preston. So um, Dykesdale came off in that Huddersfield game. So we did win Swansea, or we did beat Swansea. Um, and then we lost we lost two away games. So I think, you know, that first half against Preston, um, you know, we, we kind of played like we were playing for a draw in that first half. And I think it was just one of those deals where you know, we we didn't produce anything offensively going forward in attack. There was just nothing. So, you know, you come off two pretty hard games against Swansea, a tough game against Stoke, you know, especially with the whole changing room comments from Neil Warnock with regards to the Stoke game. He wasn't going to make an excuse, but he came out and said it. Um, you know, it's a lot, of, a lot of stress on the players. But I think ultimately, you know, what happened was probably... You know, we just didn't look like we were going to do anything in the first half. And then the start of the second half, we did really well. We were we were playing forward. Uh, Marvin Johnson was getting balls in the box. Savile had a good chance. You know, Azambalonga was, you know, in into the box in the second half and had a good 
a good shot. Um, we had plenty on the right hand side in terms of possession with uh, Spence, but we just didn't have that 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 quality in that final third, and the ball just wasn't there. And I think ultimately, you know, they went down there, scored a, a scrappy goal, uh, shot from the edge of the area that was deflected, and then you know we were kind of chasing the game then, um, and then to to concede two late goals, you know, I think ultimately the manager's disappointed, but he kind of said, look, you know. I'll be disappointed until I get up tomorrow and I go and you know start working on the Millwall game. Um, so I think we just draw a line under that one and say, look, you know, it's a bit of an anomaly. Um, that's the only time we've conceded three goals and not you know had any reply, right. um, which is unusual. Obviously, we scored two against Huddersfield, but you know we did concede three goals there. But apart from that, it's been very very tight. So I just think we have to chalk that one up as an anomaly for. Uh, for the season, uh, Char- I don't a, think a we'll character see. a character building loss potentially. Yes, yes, because I can't imagine he was going to be very happy Warnock after that game. You know, I can imagine he's probably been, look, boys, that was a you know, effing disgrace, and we know what he's like in the change room. And if he's still like that, he might have mellowed out a little bit, but I'd still hope he's got that fire that he had from you know when he was at United and uh, <laughs> some of the other the other clubs he was at. I doubt he has mellowed out, but it's it'd be interesting. Uh, well, I, I did hear, and we'll get to this a little bit about his his halftime speech against the Hatters. <laughs> yeah. But but first, let's talk let's talk a little bit about that Millwall win. So the reverse, three uh, nil. You know, pretty yeah. pretty great to send. Um, just a just an absolutely backwards club, uh, further down the table. In, in yes, my eyes. we we do like to see Millwall get beat. I don't think anybody likes to see Millwall win except for Millwall. Let's be honest with you. Um, yeah, they've they've got some pretty hardcore fans, and they're pretty pretty awful. I won't de- I won't deny it. Um, they've got a bad reputation. Um, I don't think anybody likes Millwall at all. Nobody. And so. well, I, I I think there may be there may be one guy um, who, who who really likes Millwall. I can think of two really good re- good reasons why, and that would be Duncan Watmore um, bagging two more goals. Against yep. against Millwall, which kind the gi- of the ginger Janinio. I I saw that or, or whoever somebody tweeted um, the radio BBC and yeah they, when they read that out I was like you are so right like yeah. that is a I mean he still is the sheriff in our eyes here in the United States but <laughs> he can be sheriff ginger Janinio we're we're gonna get that trending at some point the sheriff of Watmore we really need to uh, get him signed on. And I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't signed yet, which is um, th- a little bit I of a think, worry for me. Yeah, I think they've said that they're going to sit down with him in the next couple of days uh, before Christmas, maybe just after Christmas, and sign him up on a on a longer term deal. Um, you know, I think this is this is a perfect example of a player who, you know, based on you know previous you know experiences with different clubs, specifically Sunderland. Um, you know, local rival, you know, spoke to some Sunderland fans about him and said, you know, he wasn't much of anything. But I think once you're playing in a better system with better players and you have a manager who's maybe a little bit more better attuned to your strengths and you have that support around you, you can kind of be given a bit more of a free role. Um, you know, again, it's it's a good thing that he's come in and he's had to play for his future. Um, so I'm hoping that if he does sign a longer term deal, he doesn't, you know, rest on his laurels and he can, you know, really kick on in the second half of the season. Now he's built up his, uh, his fitness. 
um, and just kind of see how it goes. But yeah, I think he deserves a, a contract extension because he's he's played really well, uh, and in the games he has had a chance, uh, he's he stepped up to the mark. So he he really has. I think he great addition, great addition. Was happy to see him come on. Um, and, you know, I think he's happy to be here. So hopefully, and, and if he doesn't, if we get towards the end of this, uh, the end of his two-month contract and there isn't a signing, that's going to raise a little bit of alarm flags and bells in my head because the club, um, I don't want to say has a pattern, but it, Warnock mentioned in, in an article I was reading, you know, he had like four or five guys that he wanted to sign. None of them panned out. Yannick Balazzi, everything was agreed to didn't pan out um it seemed like patrick roberts took for forever to to come on board and now it seems like it's going to take forever for him uh you know to either see the pitch or leave but you do wonder you know okay well what's going on in the back room if we fail to to keep duncan but i think we will i think we will i also think it's a message to Asan Belonga, you know uh, either put out or get out now he's on wages for another year but if the club's going to try to make anything off of him, that transfer needs to be coming soon. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think still nothing about Fletch coming back at all. I haven't heard a peep. I haven't seen anything in any press conferences or, or anything in the journalists' reports. Um, so in all honesty, I, I, I don't see you know Brit leaving at Christmas unless there's a, a new forward coming in but um you know maybe we'll see but you know ongoing you know i think we've still been pretty strong at the back um and i think you know you just have to kind of look at that back back four or back five when the system's right and and just really look at the, the strength of that team now i mean dale fry's had a lot of a lot of critics um Paddy McNair similarly, but you know Dilfry and McNair at centre back have been absolutely outstanding, and then Dyke Steele and Baller when they've played together have been quite you know, the duo. Yes, yes, the bookends needed uh, for the library shelf. I tip tip my tip my hat to you. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about playing the Hatters. Scrappy C, Scrappy Do, baby. Chuba Akpom in the 52nd minute, which I will say uh, to our loyal listeners, I did tweet out last match that I thought Chuba was going to score, and I did add the caveat, <laughs> it may not be this match, but he will score one soon. And sure enough, he did. But before that 52-minute goal, you know what Neil Warnock said uh, to the lads in the locker room? Please tell me how. Uh, so as I was reading, um, he said at, at halftime, everybody was you know gathered around, and he was like, have you all ever played Sunday Sunday League? He's like, because that's what this is going to take. You need to Sunday League this game. This is the gist of, of what he said. And I just love the, uh, the grit and the banter and the... Now, playing in Sunday League, I have never done. I can only imagine from playing Frisbee on Sunday what that's like. Uh, so... <laughs> You know, Greg, have you played Sunday League, and how much of an impact do you think that had on the lads coming out of that half? Um, yeah, so Sunday League, um, you know, for you, kind of renowned, you know, renowned for its it's no nonsense style, I should say. So you know, it's very hard tackles, long balls, 
you know, marking really tight, getting up and down, and, and just being really, you know, I guess tenacious. So, um, you know, just getting stuck in is the is the key there. You know, you might not have the best players, you might not have the best team, but if you give your all and give a hundred percent, um, you know, that's really what you're trying to do. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, again, it's another victory um, at home. So we've now currently played ten at home. Our goal difference is plus eleven, and we've got twenty-three points from home games this season. So we're actually joint joint top with Bournemouth for our home form. Now, what used to be our strength was our away form. We are now eighteenth in the away league uh, table. We played nine, seven points, negative uh, five goal difference. So we are definitely struggling on the road. So I'm hoping the Birmingham game coming up is going to be a turning point. Um, Birmingham got beat by Cardiff tonight 3-2, so that was a tough game for them. Um, but it's still... Uh, they were, I think, 2-1 up uh, in the second half, and then Birmingham came back and uh, scored... Oh, sorry, Cardiff came back and scored two goals and won 3-2. So, yeah, it's going to be a big game on on Saturday. Um, I think, uh, obviously, it's our first game against Cranker this season and um, it should be a tasty affair. Ooh, a tasty affair. How much regret do you think is um, on George Friend's mind? Uh, you know what? Having seen the, the strength of the strength of the team, maybe some of the players who he was going to be trying to play against, much younger, much more experienced players with... Oh, sorry, much younger, much more energetic players with with less experience. Maybe he was going to be, you know, an every three-game kind of guy or was going to come in, you know, just to kind of, you know, give some of the other first-team players a, a t- some time off. And obviously, with a, with a sign in a Grant Hall, which unfortunately hasn't really panned out, you know, maybe that was his kind of his swan song and I'm kind of glad he, he left when he did um, because I don't think it was going to make him pan out know, well yeah it wasn't going to make him any better as a player um, you know just looking at the the games he's he's played he's been in and out of the team but um, you know I don't think he's he's, he's done badly um, but yeah he's done okay <laughs> but we'll see uh we'll see how BCFC play on the weekend. I'm looking forward to that match. Uh Karanka known for his yeah. defense, Neil Warnock known for his shithousery. So it's uh it's sure to be a, a great fixture. Do you hear that, Greg? What is that? What's that turning of some sort of stones? Is that is oh, that is the it, rumor mill? Is it Brad? No. It isn't, Brad. You're right, Greg. It most definitely is the rumor mill. We have two two characters on our rumor mill. We may add a third. The first person I'd like to talk about today is is Patrick Roberts. Who? <laughs> Patrick Roberts. You may have heard of him on teams like Celtic, Norwich, or even Manchester City. Not the first team, though. No. Where does he stand in your book, Greg? And and really, you know what what is going on 
Um, what is going on with him? Because, you know, this is somebody who last season was featuring heavily after he returned off of injury. Granted, we were in an absolute relegation dogfight, and, you know, you, you, you're basically at that point throwing everything you can to try and just score goals and win games. Um, and now that we kind of have a system figured out, it, it seems like he no longer fits that bill. What do you think? Uh, you know, I think <laughs> it's interesting. The, the player that Duncan Watmore has been for us in the last few games should have been the player Patrick Roberts um, could have been or should have been for, for the best part of the season so far. Um, he's a, you know, he's a true number 10, you know, he could play on the wing as well. Um, you know, in the formation that we started off initially, we played him with like a, a three, five, two, um, you know, he would have fit into that per- perfectly, you know, playing kind of that number 10, um, you know, creative role behind the, the lone striker. It's just interesting how things haven't worked out. I mean, if we look at you know all of the games that he has played, um, he came on for one game, I think, so far this season. Um, and I think he started one game. And I just don't know what he isn't doing, um, why he wouldn't, you know, be able to you know break into the team because I don't think um I don't think there's any you know there's nothing in the in the team that says we can't have rotation um we can't you know we can't allow him to come into the squad um so in the last you know since we played Norwich he's been he played a bit part against Derby bit part against Stoke, bit part against Preston, wasn't in the squad for Millwall, and then has been on the bench for uh, Huddersfield, Swansea, and Luton. So, you know, he I don't think he's started a game all season, so he's only come off the bench. Mm. Um, I mean... Go ahead. I was going to say, the, he didn't really have a huge impact before he before he joined from from... City last season. I mean, he, that Reading game where he scored two goals, and then the Stoke game where he scored a, a goal as well. Um, you know, it just it just doesn't seem like he's settling in, and I, I don't know why that is. And I think we're probably gonna if we see him leave, I'll be disappointed. But if he's not training well and playing well, you know, what can you what can you do? Right. Sometimes it's it's not the system, it's the player. Yeah. Um, and this might be, you know, one of those cases and I'm sure the club will be reevaluating where where he stands and you know, might be able to free up some of that some of that wage bill. Speaking of, you know, folks who we've tried to to, to bring in and, you know, didn't pan out, Yannick uh Yannick Balassi, Balazé, uh has been Don't get blase around Yannick. <laughs> uh, has been rumored to be on the top of the manager's target list. What do you think mm. about about bringing him on? Do you think it's going to happen this time around? I think so. I think based on everything that's happened, given the fact that there's been a lot of 
a lot of it was almost a done deal and i think the the agent changed something at the end and obviously that was very evident from uh, warnock's comments that that was a complete disaster for the for the agent's point of view um <clears throat> i think it's going to be interesting to see I, I would say that if we sign him on the the first day of the transfer window i won't be surprised and if it takes the last day of the transfer window i also won't be surprised <laughs> because that's just how how we probably get business done but since we've been so good at tying down some of the younger players and even some of the more senior players including McNair to, to longer term contracts um maybe we're getting our our shit together this yeah our this house season. our house our house may be in order Maybe, yeah. I mean, I would love to see us try and sign Bettinelli permanently as well, but I don't know what I don't know how that's gonna that's gonna happen. I don't know what wages he's on, and um, I, I would think say it's like twenty five thousand or twenty four hundred yeah. five hundred pounds. I was literally just looking at it. Oh yeah, so I mean that's uh, that's a big wage for the championship. But if he's happy and you know he's dude, he what an to absolute stay. save today. Exactly. That's kind you of know, what I was coming on to. He's uh, been one of the other reasons why I think we've been as good as we are. Yeah, a good strong keeper. You know, can command the area. I was I wasn't a hundred percent on him when when we signed him, but he has impressed me, and I think his his confidence is giving the 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 back four, the back five, even more confidence. And you know, he had, had that kind of save against Preston, where he kind of probably should have saved their first goal, and that would have been a bit of a difference, but. Obviously tonight, you know, maybe he should have handled that that shot better before Morsi got sent off, and you know the penalty was given. But I think ultimately we, uh, you know, he's done well, and I think he he deserves a he deserves a permanent move. Whether that happens, I don't know. But I would say he's been as good as as Randolph when when Darren Randolph was here before mm-hmm. he left. Um, probably not making as many amazing saves, uh, but certainly he's instilled confidence in that back four that. You know, it seems to make me think that you know his his influence is more than just making amazing saves. I uh, I think so. I think he's a locker room leader. Mm-hmm. My my last point of discussion is Marcus Tavernier. Uh, yeah, he's doing good. He is he is playing well, but I feel like he's getting a bit of shtick on the uh, social the social sphere. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. What are you thinking? Well, it just seems like, you know, the dude has, like, one terrible game and, and folks quickly kind of write him off. Um, and I think, we, we're, I think we're all guilty of it. I mean, you know, when Asam Belonga was made captain of the club, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, great great call. And, and here I am, you know, several months removed saying, okay, it's, it's time for you to leave. But it it is a bit um, – I, I think we take – players like worst examples and then judge those with the weight of like somebody's entire career and we're like oh well they're defined by this moment and so i think uh, i'm not saying the criticism is unfound because there are times where you're like oh like you need to pass there or oh that could have been better you know we can always ask for more but um i think now we're we're, especially after you know 3-0 loss or the 1-0 loss, you know, and people are like, oh, this is, like, pathetic. You know, the way we're playing, the players we're putting out, and it's like, what do you mean? You know, we're doing pretty well. Um, now, maybe that's the, the social media echo chamber that I'm in uh, on, on the Twitter sphere, right? But it, it does seem like 
there are some guys who, who do receive some uh, some shtick. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's still a young kid. I mean, he's 21. Right. Um, you know, he, he came through in the, is it the, was it the 17? I think it was the 17, 18 season he broke through. So he's had, you know, 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21 season now. And, you know, I think he's been, you know, he's played in a lot of different positions. He's played kind of wing back. He's played center midfield. He's played, you know, attacking midfielder in a front, in a front three, front four. Um, you know, I just don't think, you know, he's, he's still a good player. He's just, he just needs that consistency. And I think somebody like Neil Warnock is really going to be a, a manager who can bring Push these younger there. players on. Yeah. You know, just, just forget about, you know, what you're doing, you know, day to day and, and just expect to, you know, have a good game and then have a bad game. But as you get older and you grow, um, those bad games, you know, they become average games and your good games become great games. And I think ultimately, you know, is he going to be a, a superstar, world superstar? Probably not. Is he going to be a good player for, for the club? Yes. Will we sell him to a bigger team potentially in the future? You know, maybe. Um, right. I, I think it's I think it's important, kind of the point that you bring up. You know, Marcus Tavernier is not in his uh, final form yet. You know, it's no, very not. much so. The, the sword is still... Uh, the iron is still Another hot. Four or five years before he matures into the the senior player. I mean, if you look at his brother who plays for Rangers, um, you know, he tears it up every week in the Scottish yeah, he League. He scores all the time, even in yeah. even in Europe. You know, he's, yeah. He's well, back goals yeah. As, well. as a as a right back, I mean, it's a little bit different. The the quality of football up there is a little bit different, but um, you know, obviously they come from a good good footballing family, and I think we just need to give him a bit of a bit of a break when it comes to that stuff but well i've appreciated this time together greg (laughs) it's been emotional dude oh if you if you want to hear true emotion and me almost cry you can check out our special episode that being said i'm going to hit you um with some quick reminders feel free to interact with us on social media follow us at middlesbrough pod uh, tweet at us if do. you think we said anything wrong today. There's a small chance I mispronounced somebody's name and said Guaranteed. something you disagreed with. So please reach out. We'd love to hear you at Middlesbrough Pod. Next thing, we will be releasing an episode uh, kind of going over, uh, I'd say like a year in review, a synopsis um, of the yep. club for y'all. So that way that can hold you guys over um, during this holiday season. And, and finally, you know, my, my, my final reminder, final reminder, up the borough. Cheers. Cheers, borough. Cheers, lad. Have a good one, Greg. Up the borough. Seymour Macaroni! Macaroni's header! And Borough have struck a stick to the heart of Dracula's ball!